They say never kick a man when he's down. I say kick him when he's down. There's never a better time. If anyone deserves to be kicked after this pandemic, is there a better candidate than the Centers for Disease Control? So much could be said, but I want to scratch the surface on the impact on ethical reasoning that the response to the pandemic has had not only to society at large, but to the church. All Christians are urban Christians. Whether you live in Graceville, Florida, or Chicago, Illinois, the believer is on a pilgrim's journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city. As we endeavor to live unto God in this world, our faith looks for the city which is to come, whose architect and builder is the living God. You are not alone on your journey. As you travel the narrow way, know that a great cloud of witnesses went before you. Many travel alongside you, and while the Lord tarries, many will follow the same path after you. But until the heavenly city is brought to us, or we to it, one such pilgrim is your fellow traveler. He is Urban Puritano. The COVID-19 pandemic turned our country's workers into patients, worshippers into Zoomers, and its citizens into subjects. We are now denizens. Strictly speaking, it's not COVID's fault. The fault lies at the feet of the ruling class at federal, state, and local levels. The medical-industrial complex was able to cash out the implicit faith invested in them by the public for decades. That is why we went from medical paternalism and took a beeline straight to medical tyranny, seemingly overnight. The church in America largely followed suit. In fact, it's arguable that the American church has never been so swift to obey any mandate from anyone, including God, than when the church obeyed orders by governing authorities to lock down. The church closed her doors for several months, while strip clubs remained opened. Even after the availability of the COVID-19 vaccines, many churches continued to follow health authority recommendations without much reflection. Contact tracing, segregated seating, lowered attendance capacity, etc. Where were Christian ethicists? Where was data showing that locking down churches would have a beneficial outcome for public health? There was no data. From the beginning, not just the recent reversal of CDC guidelines for COVID. Guidance has been consistently haphazard, and Christians have simply adopted a go-along-to-get-along hermeneutic. We should have adopted instead a hermeneutic of suspicion. So let's just say there's a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. If and when the vaccine comes, it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. 
They now say it's okay. And the question of whether it's real when it's there, that requires enormous transparency. You got to make all of it available to other experts across the nation so they can look and see. So there's consensus. This is a safe vaccine. If the president announced tomorrow we have a vaccine, would you take it? Only if it was completely transparent that other experts in the country could look at it. Only if we knew all of what went into it. If Donald Trump can't give answers and administration can't give answers to these three questions, the American people should not have confidence. But if Donald Trump tells us I should t- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. Are you old enough to remember that vaccine skepticism? Oh, but there was a great pivot, curiously, after the 2020 presidential elections. In many places throughout the country, participation in society itself was regulated by conformity to subjecting oneself to the new COVID-19 vaccines that became available. The public square was only open to those who provided proof of vaccination. In some cases, multiple jabs. Participation in society was the exclusive privilege of those who adopted the de facto utilitarian ethics of the politicized medical-industrial complex. This is coercion, plain and simple. A reluctant acquiescence is not exactly informed consent. What were the alternatives for the common man? And who was speaking for the common man? The church was mostly silent. In a real sense, ground zero for a COVID response for the common man has been the HR department of his employer. You would have thought that ground zero for COVID was ICUs across the land, but we now know better. In my neck of the woods, McCormick Place was reconfigured to hospitalize the multitudes of COVID patients that were anticipated to flood the system. But it was a colossal failure, having seen less than 50 patients at the cost of almost $2 million per patient before it was unceremoniously shut down. Most people in the country have been exposed to COVID. It's nobody's fault, despite any winter of death messaging. The sitting mayor of Chicago, Mayor Lori E. Lightfoot, the E stands for everything's fine, said this in a tweet from December 21st, 2021. To put it simply, if you have been living vaccine-free, your time is up. If you wish to live life, as with the ease to do things you love, you must be vaccinated. This health order may pose an inconvenience to the unvaccinated. And in fact, it is inconvenient by design. Of course, she was only taking her cue from none other than the President of the United States. He wrote, For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you soon may overwhelm. So there's no excuse, no excuse for anyone being unvaccinated. This continues to be a pandemic of the unvaccinated. So we got to make more progress. The last two years have shown that progress to a progressive is nothing less than coercion and medical tyranny.
I think we really need to make it clear that there are privileges associated with being an American. That if you wish to have these privileges, you need to get vaccinated. Travel and having the right to travel in our state, it's not a constitutional right as far as, I'm, as, far as I know to, um, to, to, uh, to board a plane. And so saying that if you want to stay unvaccinated, that's your choice. But if you want to travel, you better go get that vaccine. If we can tell those individuals who otherwise would not get vaccinated, if we say to them, the moment of freedom for you is when you get vaccinated, when you reach the two-week mark, these are people who otherwise might not be vaccinated. So let's give them that incentive. We need to start looking at the choice to remain unvaccinated the same as we look at driving while intoxicated. That you have the option to not get vaccinated if you want, but then you can't go out in public. Because when you go out in public, you have the potential of infecting other people with a potentially deadly disease. Just like you can choose to drink in private if you want, but if you get behind the wheel of a car and can endanger other people, there is an obligation by society to prevent you from doing that. So I think the what President Biden did today is exactly right to say that the vaccinated should not have to pay the price for the so-called choices of the unvaccinated anymore. Although to your point, Chris, I definitely um, wished that he had also announced some type of proof of vaccination because at this point we have this flimsy piece of paper that's so easy to counterfeit and I, I mean we don't allow this to board an airplane right you don't go to the TSA right. checkpoint and say I am who I say I am here's a piece of paper right. where I wrote my name fast forward two plus years at this summary of guidance for minimizing the impact of COVID-19 on individual persons communities, and healthcare systems put out by the CDC. I quote, As SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19 continues to circulate globally, high levels of vaccine and infection-induced immunity and the availability of effective treatments and prevention tools have substantially reduced the risk for medically significant COVID-19 illness, severe acute illness, and post-COVID-19 conditions and associated hospitalization and death. These circumstances now allow public health efforts to minimize the individual and societal health impacts of COVID-19 by focusing on sustainable measures to further reduce medically significant illness as well as to minimize strain on the healthcare system while reducing barriers to social, educational, and economic activity. As Jeffrey A. Tucker of the Brownstone Institute summarized in his article entitled A Deeper Dive into the CDC Reversal, quote, In English, everyone can pretty much go back to normal, focus on illness that is medically significant, stop worrying about positive cases because nothing is going to stop them, think about the bigger picture of overall social health, and the compulsion. Thank you. It's only two and a half years late. Close quote. Mr. Tucker goes on and asks, What about the unvaccinated who were so demonized throughout the last year? He lets the CDC answer. Their answer is, quote, CDC's COVID-19 prevention recommendations no longer differentiate based on a person's vaccination status because breakthrough infections occur, though they are generally mild, and persons who have had COVID-19 but are not vaccinated have some degree of protection against the severe illness from their previous infection. Close quote. 
20 to 1 return. If you had put that money into an S&P 500 and reinvested the dividends, you'd come up with something like $17 billion, but you think it's $200 billion. Here, yeah. You're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. These vaccines are highly, highly effective. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. They're really, really good against variants. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. Get your first shot, and when you're due for your second, get your second shot. Our key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no Uh, infection going on whatsoever. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized, you're not going to be in an ICU unit, and you're not going to die. If you are fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. Anyone who is fully vaccinated can participate in indoor and outdoor activities, large or small, without wearing a mask or physical distancing. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. You know, we didn't have vaccines that block transmission. We got vaccines that help you with your health, but they only slightly reduce the transmissions. We need a new new way of doing the vaccine. The level of virus in the nasopharynx of a person who's vaccinated and infected is the same level as the level of virus in the nasopharynx of an unvaccinated person. Reports from our international colleagues, including Israel, suggest increased risk of severe disease amongst those vaccinated early. And if you look at Israel, Mm -hmm. which has always been a month to a month and a half ahead of us, they are seeing a waning of immunity, not only against infection, but against hospitalizations and to some extent, death. A booster might actually be an essential part of the primary regimen that people should have. Plan is for every every adult to get a booster shot. It's uh, clearly one of the best investments uh, I've ever been involved in. So then, the forces of big government and big pharma aligned to overwhelm the common man into submission by shoveling tons of bovine scatology upon him and his children. It's inexplicable. The agencies to this day still have not given America a care plan of what to do when they contract COVID-19. I can tell you the advertising campaign or the public health messaging campaign for the vaccine was built on three fraudulent false claims. The first claim was that the vaccines were going to stop the infection. And if you took the vaccine, you couldn't get the infection. Our president said this. The major liberal media said this. People remember Rachel Maddow saying this on MSNBC. Uh, The second false claim, a fraudulent claim, is that it would block transmission. If you took it, you couldn't give it to anyone else. And, And that became so obviously not the case that our CDC director came out and said that and said, listen, it doesn't stop transmission. The final false and fraudulent claim is that the vaccines make it a milder illness that they reduce hospitalization and death. And I can tell you, in randomized clinical trials, in order to make that claim, a randomized trial would have to be done, and there's plenty of patients to do this, where the vaccine indeed reduced hospitalizations and deaths. It hasn't been done. The signal hasn't even been there in the randomized trials where that's not a primary endpoint. And now we have data flooding in from Canada, Europe, South America, Israel, showing the vast majority of patients in the hospital 
are fully vaccinated. In fact, the unvaccinated are having much milder syndromes, not ending up in the hospital. The common man's employment was put at risk, and the only avenues to escape the vaccine mandates were medical or religious exemption requests. To avoid becoming a patient against your will at work, you had to articulate in writing and in struggle sessions why your religiously informed conscience prevented you from going along to get along. Absent that, you had to have a doctor's certification of a medical condition that could be exacerbated by an adverse effect from the COVID vaccination. I want to focus on the religious exemption issue, but there's a lot of overlap with the medical exemption issue. If you are a Christian, especially of the Reformed tradition, how might the Reformation's biblical teachings lead you to respectfully decline certain vaccinations? The challenge will be to make a clear connection between the sincerely held religious belief or principle and the mandated vaccination. The Reformed believer starts with the Scriptures. The Scriptures of the Old and New Testament commonly referred to as the Word, or God's Word, or His Word, are the norm of norms for faith and practice, that is to say, for morals and ethics. The question arises, do the Scriptures teach that a Reformed believer may be required to refuse a medical intervention, including a vaccination, if his or her conscience comes to this judgment? While the Scriptures do not prohibit the use of most vaccines in principle and implicitly encourages practices that safeguard personal and public health, love thy neighbor as thyself, the following biblical teachings and ethical considerations demonstrate that there is a conjunction of principled religious belief on which basis a Christian, such as myself or yourself, may determine that he or she ought to refuse certain vaccinations. 1. Vaccination is not morally obligatory in principle, and so must be voluntary. This is the principle of autonomy, and it assumes or states that decisions concerning what happens to oneself are to be made free of coercive influence. This principle is even enshrined in the 1689 Second London Baptist Confession of Faith, Chapter 21, of Christian Liberty and Liberty of Conscience, Chapter 20 of the Westminster Confession. Echoing God's Word, it states, God alone is the Lord of conscience, and hath left it free from the doctrines and commandments of men, which are in anything contrary to his word, or not contained in it, so that to believe or comply with such doctrines, or obey such commands out of, that is, against or outside the boundaries of one's conscience, is to betray true liberty of conscience and the requiring of an implicit faith and absolute and blind obedience is to destroy liberty of conscience and reason also. 2. There is a moral duty to refuse the use of medical products, including certain vaccines or medicine, 
that are created or have benefited from the use of human cell lines, whether derived from abortion or not, for example, miscarriage. However, it is permissible to use such vaccines only under case-specific conditions, if there are no other alternatives available and the intent is to preserve life in the moment. This is not the case in the present circumstances. The scriptures teach that human dignity consists in being created in the image and likeness of God, and that that uniqueness is to be respected as highly as possible. The significance of the sixth commandment forbids the taking of a life and implies the utmost efforts in not being complicit in a life being taken or benefiting from the same upon pain of divine judgment. This is the fundamental basis for human flourishing all Christians have sought both in their professional lives and in their personal lives. 3. A person's assessment of whether the benefits of a medical intervention outweigh the possible adverse or undesirable side effects are to be respected unless they contradict authoritative biblical moral teachings. This ethical principle is sometimes called the principle of proportionality, and it directly impinges on one's simultaneous assessment of a medical intervention's beneficence and non-maleficence. Is it going to benefit me? Is it going to hurt me? This is basic moral reasoning that is ethically adjacent to the biblical sixth commandment's implied meaning to do no harm, not just to anybody else out there, but to oneself. 4. A person is morally required to obey his or her conscience so as to, quote, serve the Lord without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. This confessional statement from the 1689 or the Westminster Confession mentioned above is informed directly by Romans chapter 14, in which the Apostle Paul clearly states that to disobey conscience is a sin before God. Therefore, a reformed believer may judge it wrong to receive certain vaccines for a variety of reasons consistent with the aforementioned teachings, or a conjunction of them. And there is no authoritative biblical teaching universally obliging reformed believers to receive any medical intervention in general or a vaccine in particular for anything like the current pandemic. An individual reformed believer may invoke ethical reasoning informed by biblical teaching to respectfully decline a vaccine that used or benefited from abortion-derived or derived from miscarriage cell lines at any stage of the creation of the vaccine on the basis of the Sixth Commandment's explicit meaning and implied significance. More generally, a Protestant reformed believer might refuse a vaccine based on the ethical consideration concerning therapeutic proportionality and how coercion is a violation of a biblically informed conscience. Therapeutic proportionality is an assessment of whether the benefits of a medical intervention outweigh the possible adverse and undesirable side effects and burdens in light of the integral good of the person, including spiritual, psychological, and bodily goods. Moreover, 
the judgment of therapeutic proportionality, beneficence, and non-maleficence must be made autonomously by the person who is the potential recipient of the intervention, not by public health authorities or by other individuals who might judge differently in their own situations. Since vaccination is not a universal obligation, then a person must obey his or her own conscience. Therefore, if a reformed believer comes to an informed judgment that he or she should not receive a vaccine, then the church's norm of norms, the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, requires that the person follow this judgment of conscience and refuse the vaccine. Before the vaccines were even available, all employees, especially in healthcare settings, were able to work with accommodations or PPE personal protective equipment. After the vaccine, the strange pivot was made to regard the unvaccinated as disabled because they were declared and singled out to have a substantial impairment to their immune system and were on that basis discriminated against when they were excluded from internships or fired. But whose immune system seems to be suffering? The vaccinated or the unvaccinated? You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Hey, folks, guess you heard this morning I tested positive for COVID. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. Dr. Fauci says he has COVID again. If you've done the right thing and gotten vaccinated, you deserve the freedom to be safe from COVID-19. And this morning, I learned, I, I tested positive for COVID-19 as well. Three doses that you can prevent it, not just from serious illness, but from getting this virus, this Omicron variant, and therefore giving it to others. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews is in quarantine for seven days after testing positive to COVID. So I, I'm fully vaccinated. It gives me some comfort. Anthony Albanese has just tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, having received two doses of AstraZeneca, it's a very effective vaccine protection from symptomatic illness and therefore risk of transmission to others. There will be a reckoning. It's already started. Mandates are being overturned. Lawsuits from wrongly terminated employees are being won. Must a free people be subject to big government and big pharma? Will the medical industrial complex wield control of society with its tentacles in media? Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This weather report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet. Sponsored by Pfizer. Hey, Pfizer brings me a lot of good stuff. A lot of great shows. <laughs> <laughs> Pfizer's got their thumb on the pulse. Pfizer, you spoil me. For two plus years, while we were being spoiled by big pharma and big government, where was the church? Does the church have an ethical voice? Will the church be silent? Does the sovereignty of God in the area of ethics even apply? 
I'm simply asking the questions. Thank you for joining us at Urban Puritano. We look forward to catching up with you on your next stop along your journey to the city prepared by God for all true believers. 